Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an award-winning STEM communicator, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant and coach. Now my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. This is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Now I know being an entrepreneur can be both lonely and overwhelming. At UK Educators Community, we've created a community of like-minded, like-valued individuals all supporting each other. From the Champions Club accountability groups to business retreats in Marrakesh, you'll find industry-specific support to help you propel your business forward. So why don't you join us? Join our Facebook group, UK Educators, or find some great resources on the website at ukeducators.com. We look forward to welcoming you to our community. Today, I've got with you Julia Brand, and Julia is going to be talking to us about her life as a maths tutor. So Julia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Sid. Nice to be here. And it's nice to finally meet you. I think we've spoken a lot over Facebook, but I don't think I've seen you face to face. So it's lovely to put a face to you as well and to your name. So tell us a little bit about you and how long you've been tutoring and what your journey has been through education. Well, I've been in education for probably just over 15, 16 years now. I started off completely differently. I used to be in the city and I was a trader in the city. So I came from a finance background. And then I think I hit about 30 years old. And Mm. I thought, hang on, I want to do something else here. And so I started doing a degree part time, not really knowing where it was going to take me, but kind of just going with it, thinking it would give me options. On the degree, I started to meet a few teachers. And so I ended up becoming a teacher. I was a primary teacher. It was a strange journey because I would say even while I was doing my teacher training year, I had doubts. I thought, well, this isn't quite what I expected, Mm. but I went with it. And I was actually qualified teacher for almost 10 years. And I say stuck it out Mm. for right but during that time I started tutoring quite early on in that stage first of all you know I saw two or three people a week that's all gradually I went part-time in teaching so I, I always kept up the tutoring and I was I would say I was always more comfortable tutoring and I felt I got a lot more from it than I ever did teaching a class so now I've been full-time tutoring for over five years you know, over five years ago, I had the courage to just leave. No set plan, just thinking it'll be all right. It'll, it'll be okay. <laughs> and <laughs> it was, and it was the best decision I made, definitely. So what kind of trader were you? So you mentioned that you initially did trading um, and you were in the finance world. What exactly did that involve? Yes, I traded equities, European equities mostly. Um, so I've been in trading rooms for a long, long time. and. I always used to say it was like being in a kindergarten. That's what it felt like. I don't mean the IQ of people. (laughs) Perhaps the behaviour of people is kind of more ridiculous than you would get in a preschool, right? (laughs) Really? When you think of trading in the finance world, you think of high-paid people. They were. You think of um, 
people that work really hard yes. but it's a dog eat dog world as well isn't it definitely um, absolutely dog eat dog world but it was also a highly immature world <laughs> and you know you had to really be on top form to make sure that you weren't the one being picked on basically and but I, I tell you what what i went through i would say it would not be allowed now because mm. people would talk about sexism racism everything elseism well when i was in trading rooms i don't think any of that counted for anything and people mm. just put up and shut up kind of thing you know or you weren't there it was as simple as that if you couldn't deal with it you weren't there i used to give as good as i got i would say i'm from essex i used to get all the all the essex girl jokes all the blonde girl jokes everything but i gave it back so you know it, it was good for a while i had loads of corporate days <laughs> But ultimately, it was making me into somebody I didn't particularly want to be. And I didn't want to be that person. And I kept on going around saying, I want to do a proper job, what I called a proper job. I want to help people, not ultimately, you know, what we were doing was making rich people even richer, the companies, I suppose. And I, I just felt it was a bit soulless. And the people were empty it felt like there's no real proper relationships formed there it's all very superficial so um yeah that that's why. and I think when you're young as well you've got the energy to kind of do that kind of thing um for a few years maybe and then after that the novelty wears off as well and you want you want stability you want to be around people that share your values you kind of see what's important in life and it's really interesting you've had a similar journey to um Richard, I don't know whether you heard Richard's podcast from season one. He was from the finance world as well and how he worked for a couple of years and he earned a lot of money and he he, he left that uh, quite young. So he left before you did. I think he left after uh, four or five years uh -huh. um, and he set up tutoring because he had the same sort of vision as you. He wanted to help people. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted to have an impact. And so it's really interesting. I thought he was very unique in his journey. And I think now I've met two people that have been on a very similar journey from a similar sort of field. Um, but he talked about how he earned a lot of money in those first few years. And he's used that as investment so that he didn't have to think about the money when he was setting up the business so much. Did you also do that? Did you have like a nest egg where you'd saved up during that period of time? And then you were like, actually, now I can do something that I want to do rather than have to focus so much on finances. When I was finishing my degree, I think mm. I left while I was just finishing my degree. I did my degree with the OEU. So a lot of it, I was still working while I was doing it. But the last at least six months, I just took off. So I had about a year off of work. In mm. time, I went into a couple of schools volunteering. I did a little bit of LSA work, but, you know, minimal. So I, I had a year without doing too much and also just getting everything together to do teach training I you know I did a skip course the you know where you're yeah. in school for the whole year and of course you don't get paid for that year either so I had yeah. two years pretty much without earning anything so it enabled me to do that it gave me what, what was your degree in was it related to finance no 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 <laughs> <laughs> um well most of it I did in psychology but I also did maths so I guess in that respect, yes, I did the maths. And I, I did the maths because I was trying to make the degree shorter. So I was doubling up on courses and I kind of figured, look, 
you know, the maths I'm going to find quite easy because I worked with that all the time anyway. Yeah, that's why I did it. And it, of course, that benefited as well. And was that your first degree that you did? Yes. Yeah, so you did it at a later age. And yeah. I bet you when you when you did it, you found it so much more rewarding at, at doing it as a as an adult. Because I oh, found yeah. that when I did it straight from school, I didn't appreciate it as much. Yeah, to be fair, when I was at school, I couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> I really couldn't wait to leave. So I did not know any teachers at all growing up. I don't think I knew one. Oh, that would have been my absolute worst nightmare. I mean, I left, I didn't even do A-levels, right? I, I started work when I was 16. I started in wow. banking when I was 16. So I had banking exams and I had stock exchange qualifications. And then I thought, hang on a minute, who cares? You know, what good is that to anybody else? What else can I do with that? I can't. So that's why I started doing the degree later on. And I'd say I was about 30 when I started thinking about that. But you did really well to kind of go up the ranks within your profession that you had beforehand um, and to reach a level where you, you didn't need a degree and still be able to earn decently and, and then be able to pursue what you wanted to do, which is brilliant. So you decided to go into teaching. Was there any kind of moment where you thought, this is why I want to go into teaching? Like, What made you volunteer in the local school in the first place? Like, Did you have a vision that you wanted to be a teacher? Well, no, I really didn't. So when I started the degree with the Open University, I don't think they still do it, but with the Open University, you used to have monthly like courses and stuff where you'd go along in person. And a lot of it was uh, via post assignments and stuff like that. But um, you also had a week long summer school. So every year I was doing the degree, I had this summer school. And I think the first, it was the first one I went to, there were several teachers there. Because it was in psychology, a lot of them were going on to do educational psychology. And it was only through them that made me think about it. And a few of them said, oh, you want to go into a school, see what you think? And, that, and that's that's where it came from. And yeah, it's so interesting that I always say this about kids. Like when they're growing up, they only ever want to do what they're exposed to because they know nothing yeah. else. Yes. Um, and it's only as an adult that I've realized that maybe my skill set would have been better suited to engineering. But I was never exposed to it when I was young. And, and when I was picking my angles and picking my uni courses, it was only when I did a radio show and I interviewed other engineers. I was like, oh, like this is what I would have loved to do. But <laughs> no one told me about this. No. So it's interesting no. that you had a similar experience. It was funny because it was only when I went into teaching, I think it was in that teacher training year, I became very aware that nearly everyone I was on this course with were kind of from teaching families. I had no idea that happened. You know, you, I heard someone say, oh, yeah, my sister does it, my mum does it, my dad does it, or my auntie does it, whoever it is. And I'm thinking, wow, I, th I felt like the only one there who wasn't from this kind of education background. I really didn't know anyone who did it. So I kind of I went into it a bit blind. I think it's like this with any profession. If you know, tend to know someone that's a doctor, you'll realise that they've got family that are also doctors or in the medical field. Yeah. Um, if you've got someone in politics, like usually their families are also in politics. Um, because when you're young, you're exposed to it. So you're yeah. more likely to kind of go, oh, I can see myself doing that. Yeah. Um, which is more of a reason I feel as an educator, it's so much more powerful that we expose kids to other ways of thinking and kind of going, 
have you looked at this have you looked at that like what made you leave teaching then because you did that for quite a while at what point did you realize that actually this isn't what you want to do either I think I got progressively more and more bogged down with the politics I hated the politics about what you are and what you aren't allowed to do most of the years I was there I was an infant teacher and I found that more and more frustrating with, say, for example, the key stage one SATs and what they were expected to do at seven years old. And I knew full well that some kids were just not ready. They were just not emotionally ready for that. And I'm thinking, there's me as a teacher shoving them through this system, whether they're emotionally ready or not, is like, you know, that goes out the window, but this is what you are expected to do. And mm. you can see it puts so many kids off of education so mm. early on, so early on. I hated it. I really hated it. And as a teacher, you're not allowed to say certain things, are you? You're not allowed to say, actually, I think this is a load of rubbish and I don't agree with it one little bit. Kind of frowned upon by your head teacher. <laughs> and maybe that's why they didn't like me in school (laughs) (laughs) so um so I that's when I started doing the tutoring and and I could be honest with people then Mm. and even with older kids I started teaching up you know like GCSE maths and I could say to you know you get all of these kids saying oh when am I ever going to use this blah 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 all that kind of thing and I could honestly say, do you know what? There are actually quite a few jobs where you will will use this. And there's equally a few areas of maths. I think, actually, when will you ever use this? I can know. So I could be completely honest with that. And I think they appreciate that honesty rather than the maths teacher saying, no, it's all equally important and blah, blah, blah. You know, all that. I I think it's really important, isn't it? Educated to, to, to be able to draw on personal experiences and then you could do that because you'd work somewhere else where I haven't worked anywhere else and so what I find and I, I think this is also true of a lot of educators they've gone straight from uni to teaching to becoming a teacher it's our duty to actually expand our horizon and learn about the different careers and so when I did a lot of interviewing I learned so much about where maths is actually used in reality where science is actually used how physics is used and I can pick up pick up and draw on those like I was in a clubhouse room a couple of weeks ago and someone was like when am I ever going to use differentiation in anywhere in my life and I was like actually differential equations come up when you're looking at liquid flow and blood flow through capillaries because I did that for my uh, dissertation in uh, at master's level. And I was like, actually, you do kind of use that. So if you were to go into a medical research sort of field and looking up blood flow and things like that, you might actually use this yeah. kind of thing. It'll be more advanced, but it's based on the same sort of concept. And I could draw onto that. And, 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 and then people are like, oh, OK, actually, they might have some real life application. But when you don't know that, it's so difficult to kind of justify yeah. why you're doing what you're doing. And kids need a reason to do what they do they do because otherwise it's just boring isn't it and yeah Yeah. they don't want to do it but but even adults we need a motivation and usually it's the money that keeps us uh, working um but we need something that kind of is motivating us and for kids getting a grade at the end they don't see the value of at that age that's not really a real motivator that's do you know what I'm completely like that as well actually because and even when I was at school you know you've given different training and right this is the way we're going to do something rather now 
I always wanted to know the why. Why yeah. are we doing it? What's the advantage? What why what is the benefit of that? What are the children going to get from that? And and quite often they couldn't tell me. And then I would be thinking, well, why do it then? What's the point? Mm. Um, and that is me all over completely. And I guess that's what children are like. Yeah, a lot of the times it's just basically because we've always done it or because this yeah. is what, what we're doing because this is what we're doing. And you're like, well, that's not good enough reason to no, do it. I think especially with the teaching of maths and, you know, I see it now as a tutor and because I see kids from all different schools and everything. And you can see some schools have changed the way they're teaching, whereas other schools are still going through right in the year, whatever it is, we're going to do chunking and year something, we're going to move it on and we're going to do some other kind of method. And ultimately, these children won't use any of those methods. Ultimately, they'll do, say multiplying or something, they'll just do long multiplication yeah um some schools just go straight into that because they can and the kids yeah. and this yeah. is me this is like why not just do the way that they're always going to use rather yeah. than creating all of these techniques that they have to learn which just confuses yes. them yes um, absolutely and it might work for a few but i think it really is a few my view is you know what if they don't get it one way let's teach them another way but if those ways you know those interim methods don't make sense to that child why bother with it I, I don't get that at all yeah. so I'm the one behind the scenes saying do you know what you won't actually need this let's just concentrate on this way and you'll be fine the teacher cannot argue with you if you've got the right answer how can they <laughs> and if you've shown you're working out yes. and it's yeah. just because it's in a different way yeah. um and yeah I, I find it also from a primary because I'm secondary trained and what I find is that sometimes a lot of primary schools will move on and do special cases of, of cal ways of calculating something where the child hasn't even understood the, the, the general technique. So they're yeah. learning the special case and then they try to apply the special case to every single other scenario. And you're like, no, that doesn't work. Yes. And they don't know, understand why it doesn't work because they've not understood no. the concept. And that is the other thing, isn't it? It's the understanding of the, it's the understanding of what something actually is and yeah. why. For example, the fact that percent means out of a hundred and the cent. Whenever I've mentioned that to pretty much anyone, that's news to them. They haven't been taught that. And I think, mm. well, what's the point in learning all of these methods? If you understand it, you're going to be able to figure those out. Yeah. Without learning mm. a you know how to guide yeah and, and finding shorthand ways of doing things they're, they're not really useful until you've understood the actual concept so i'd rather a kid that does things long way uh -huh. and doesn't know the special cases and just knows that one t technique and knows that it applies in every single scenario that they're going to come across yeah, than yeah. to know special cases and get really stumped when yeah. one of the questions doesn't fit that special case and yeah so I think we could talk about maths for hours and hours because I think it's really interesting to to see how you've gone from a trader to a tutor. How has your routine changed? Because I think it'll be interesting to draw that comparison. So if you look back to when you were a trader, what was your typical day like? <laughs> I was manic. I would say back then I was manic. So my journey to the train station was like it's about a five mile drive. And um, I'd be the one 
tearing around the bends, you know, completely manic. I'm way more chilled, way more chilled now than I ever was then. I think I'm a, di a different person completely. A lot of alcohol was involved every day, probably. Hopefully not when you're driving at 5.30am no. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But but evenings, so I, you know, it was not a healthy lifestyle at all. Not so, like, at how all. long was that train journey? So that your train was at six thirty. What time would you get to work? I, the train journey was about forty minutes. So I was at my desk by half seven, and I was mm -hmm. there until six wow. at the earliest. Yeah, wow. half six, something like that. That was standard. But and then did you have going out afterwards. Would you have breaks during the day? No, 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 no. Wow. And if we were busy, then maybe one person uh, would be sent out to get lunch for everyone and we'd just be eating on the go. But equally, if it was really dead, we we might be down the pub, you know, from as soon as it was open. Wow. The clock was known, you know. <laughs> and we'd be down there. The entire day. What kind of time would you get home? Oh, it, at the worst. Not living out here. I did used to live in London, but at times, two, three hours I'd have at home and then I'd be out again. How did you function on that? that I was sleep? a lot younger. <laughs> I was a lot younger. And, of course, it was that whole trading room atmosphere in that the, the boss, who was very, very senior, you know, if you're falling asleep at the desk and you're badly hung over, she'd give you a pat on the back and say, oh, you're so funny. You know, it was seen as a positive thing because you're out entertaining clients. Wow. That's a completely different world, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. And then weekends, was weekends a time for you to catch up on sleep and, and just life? Or Generally, yes. Generally, you know, sometimes it used to creep in a little bit but yeah generally you know I could be out four times a week like that <laughs> not always that late the more time I was there the more picky I got I think because I think once I moved out of London I was a bit more conscious about my time and that I actually wanted to get home <laughs> mm. and um so then if we were going out with clients, we'd go to only restaurants that I wanted to go to. We'd go to all the best restaurants and stuff like that. But there does come a time when you think, do you know what? I'd actually rather go down somewhere locally or even a takeaway with friends, actual friends, rather than some fancy restaurant with these people who aren't my friends. They're not. So um, it, it does wear thin after a while, definitely. But I, I did do it for a long time. Yeah, I think novelty eventually starts to wear down and you're, and you're kind of questioning yourself, why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so now fast forward to now your routine as a tutor. What does your typical day look like now? Every day is different. I would mm. say that. Um, I go into one primary school a week. I used to do a, a couple, but then obviously lockdown and everything. So I still go into one primary school a week, but I'm employed on a self-employed basis as a tutor. So I do exactly the same there as I would do at home, doing it on Zoom. Mm. Either teacher gives me the kids to work with, but I do it individually and they let me get on with it because they know what I can do. And I, I identify the gaps probably more than they do because you know, they're doing a bulk thing to the whole class and sometimes yeah. things get missed, don't they? So, and it's easier for me to pick that up. 
So I do that once a week, um, tutoring every evening. Generally, most of them I'm still doing on Zoom. And I think most people will continue on Zoom for me. That I've started seeing about four face-to-face. And that is purely the ones who struggle with their attention. <laughs> you know, they're always fiddling and you think they might be playing a game or something. Whatever might be going on in the background, you don't know. Um, mm. I've started seeing a few, but... I literally, you know, they're like hour after the hour, they're all back to back. So I see probably four or five every evening plus Saturdays. But that's why during the day I tend to have more time. Yes, that's quite nice. I quite like that. It gives me a lot more freedom. So if we were looking at um, yesterday's schedule, what time did you wake up yesterday and what was your day like? Let's go step by step from the time you had breakfast to what you did during the day and then to your lessons in the evening. What did it look like? Yesterday, I was at the primary school in the morning. So I left here at eight. Well, I actually got up earlier and went for a run. Yeah, I left here about eight, was there at half eight. I stayed there until 12 o'clock. And then I see a few homeschoolers. So um, I saw one homeschool. She came round to my house in the afternoon. And then I had four online tutorings in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. So in between the schoolwork, so you said you finished around 12, do you just grab lunch on the way back? Or do you cook when you get home? Or do you make a sandwich? Or have you got something planned in the morning? What does that lunchtime period look like? Do you, how long is your lunchtime period? Do you take a break before you start tutoring again? Yes, I, yeah, I did. I, I do, I do try to be more like that. And most days I do get a break for lunch. So that's good. Mm. And, um, I do a lot of meal prepping, which is good in the evening. So if I'm tutoring, you know, I haven't got to wait till nine o'clock or something to eat. I can just, I have something prepared. Yeah. So I've kind of learned to do that. So you have a bit of a break between the home ed students. So maybe that's one till two and yeah. then you have a break from two till four. Yeah, ge- yeah I, I generally start about half three with the student. Okay. Yeah, so I, I get them depending on who gets home from school. So I, I get the schedule done like that, really. And today I've been out and about just shopping a bit, doing bits and bobs. Mm. I've got more tutorings later on. I did think it's funny, this the summer holiday, well, holidays coming up usually in previous years I do the 11 plus as well so that's quite big in this area because there's in Chelmsford and Colchester there's grammar schools so I do quite a bit of that and of course in the summer I do a lot of it and I do practice exams and all that kind of thing but otherwise the summer is definitely quieter for me but mm. this year completely different because I'm rammed I'm literally rammed nearly everyone I see wants to continue every single week in the summer holidays wow there's only maybe two or three people who are not continuing and and i'm trying to do it so i've got a couple of spare days every week because i think i want some time off so that means the other days i am packing them in just so i have some time off (laughs) so you're going to do a lot during the day then during the summer Yeah, yeah 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 and less so in the evening but a lot during the day so do you do so you start at half three in the evening usually and you said that you work till eight yeah a couple of times till nine sometimes there might be a bit of a half hour gap so in case someone's late coming on something like that so when when do you do your planning and your social media and all like the other business stuff when do you get that packed into your week planning i don't i feel bad saying 
not no, I, I don't either to be fair so i think I there comes a point i don't I feel bad saying that it's just it's just when other people say that i feel bad because i think well the reason i don't plan is because you know if they've they've got stuck with something that day at school they'll they'll tell they'll say to me oh god i'm really stuck with this i'll have a loose idea and i keep notes on everyone so i'll have a loose idea where we're going and if they're not stuck on anything at school then we'll carry on with our kind of game plan so i'll know where we're going with that but otherwise you know it does happen that i normally see somebody for maths and they'll come on they'll say i've got an english exam next week can we do some practice in that and so we'll do some english language questions oh my word some people have got me doing all sorts of random things yeah same <laughs> <laughs> so you know i'll just go with the flow uh, yeah. very much. and especially online where you can access all the websites i know i've got a bank of websites i use all the time so yeah. it's very quick it's not like it takes ages to set up it's very instant yeah i think that gets to a point where you're once you're comfortable teaching and tutoring and educating that gets to a point where you you have a lot of reserved material in your head and you can draw on that knowledge and that experience very quickly. Yes. But I know in my early days that wasn't the case <laughs> and I felt I didn't know enough, I needed to read around and I did a lot of planning initially. Um, but I think very quickly you do start to get to the point where things are very easy to draw on, especially if you've been teaching for a long time and you know the curriculum and you know the content. Yes. You also know uh, kids, they, yes, obviously they differ, but there's always certain subjects that come up over yeah. and over again. You know full well. So whenever I get a new person, there's certain subjects I will always approach first of all. Yeah. And sometimes they might say, yeah, I could actually do that. And I will always try them out because... The confidence doesn't match the uh, the, the ability at that point <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I tend to teach a lot, a wide range of different age groups and... I always find that if a child brings up a topic, say it's a GCSE topic, they're like, oh, I've stuck on this. I tend to do the same topic with the younger kids, just at a different level, because I'll be like, they'll come to me and they're like, I don't know what to do today. I'm like, oh, what about this topic that I was doing earlier? Yes. And you end up repeating the same thing, just in a different way, in a different style, in a different level. Yes. Um, but they're usually the same topic. And it's funny because um, in actually primaries and secondaries, sometimes I know it at school kind of the topics within a subject go round in a bit of a carousel, don't they? Yeah. They all seem to be doing like data handling or something all at the same time. And you're exactly right. You're doing the same yeah. topic just at different levels. Yeah. And quite often for the older ones, even if they're 15 or 16, the bits they don't understand go track right back so you yes. can see exactly the same thing. Yeah. yeah, especially if they've opted to get tutoring, it's usually because they're struggling with math and that struggle comes from not having a foundation in place. Yes. Um, and they can usually do the higher topics and they're like struggling yeah. with the basics and that then has an influence on the higher topics. Yeah. But no, with maths it is like that and I find, and I find then you don't really need to do much planning because once you've taught it once, in in that week you can just repeat it just yeah. at a different level so what about in terms of your marketing and your other kind of business activities do you find that you put a lot of focus on your tutoring at the moment and you don't really focus on the business as such as much um yes however that is going to change um so far i have never advertised never um it's all been all completely word of mouth and a lot of it 
initially a lot of it was to do with the old the school I was at so there's a lot of customers in that village and even for older siblings and you know whoever and a lot of it was centered around that but since then it's just got bigger and bigger so the area has expanded so I I've always got loads of people asking as soon as someone drops out and they rarely drop out to be honest they only drop out like when they're 16 and when they get the result you know that that's when they drop out but apart from that they rarely drop out for quite a long time I did I did your marketing course when was that a while ago now it was January that I did the live session and I think I think you did the recorded version didn't you yeah and I think on that I heard certain terms like sales funnel for the first time right mm. I've never heard of that before and I thought what on earth is that and and then I started thinking because I know you, I think you'd said to me about branching out social media or this kind of thing because I didn't have a Facebook page nothing still haven't got a website nothing at all mm. it's me and so I started thinking about different things especially with lockdown I went online straight away with lockdown it was not an issue at all but I did start to think about courses and I'm thinking that's something I could potentially do fairly easily and it, it goes into that passive income which is fantastic and it's only very recently I've started to think right come on let's get my act together I'm going to do this and then so I've got two extra things going on at the moment which are very much in their early stages planning just starting the facebook groups pages that kind of thing um one is my own maths group if you like where i will eventually be doing courses but the other thing is with a friend of mine who's got a positivity company so she does planners posters bookmarks all sorts of things like that aimed all with positive comments so she does post, you know, postcards to send out. I've sent them out to various students, um, encouragement quotes, all sorts of stuff. And anyway, so we're talking about um, doing a subscription box where positivity meets education. So it's going to link into the mindful learning, I suppose, and just the good mental well-being, you know, mental health, and a positive attitude towards learning and understanding and actually trying to make it a bit fun and do this kind of education box surrounding that a mix of activities there'll be some purely positivity type coloring in bookmarks posters to put up around the house but also a bit of math bit of english maybe a science experiment in there a recipe you know just various activities to do each month so that is kind of where we're going with that. I think that sounds fantastic. So yeah. are you planning to then um, create a team around you so that you do what you are doing less teaching so you can focus on other projects? Or are you going to try and manage to do this on your own? I don't know. I, I think we're going to see how this goes. I'm, I've got big, big, big hopes for this. It's called Acorns to Oaks, by the way. And we've got, ho hopefully it will really take off and in time i think that outsourcing and as for the tutoring scale that back possibly or i don't know about getting someone else on board i'm making you think now right you've not thought about this you're the second person today who i've kind of gone maybe you need to start to look at like maybe potentially training people up so that you can you can do less and just work on the areas that you want to work on because what it does do it frees up the time for you to then focus on 
the things that you really want to do. Yes. Um, because we only have so many hours in the day. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's yeah. why I've started thinking about this because although I get so many, you know, requests for tutoring, there's only so many hours in the day, so many days a week. I have ended up working seven days before. I don't really want to keep that going. Yeah. Um, so it's about having different forms of income, I suppose. I also do a bit of um, local education authority work. And at the moment, I'm doing that two mornings a week. But that is the type of thing that I will certainly scale back on to allow more time for the other businesses to get that done. So I've got more free time during the day. That's the idea. And then we'll see where that goes. I have kind of got an idea of someone who can help out with the tutoring. She just needs a bit more encouragement. Exactly. <laughs> time to reach out to her, right? Yeah. And I, I think it's really interesting hearing where you're at right now, because you're also coming to the Marrakesh retreat yes. next year, which is just over a year away. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll Very be interesting to see at what point you are when we get there yes um, and then what you take away from that because i think you'll take away lots of ideas and inspiration and and i was saying this to charlotte who's also coming who i yes. interviewed a few episodes yeah. earlier that um when you take time out from your day-to-day -day is when you get your best ideas and because you're away from the day-to-day -day grind and you get to see the bigger picture and then you kind of like oh I'm missing a trick here. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see at what point your boxes are by that point, and which is yeah. about 11 months from now, and, and then see where where we go from there. Yes, I think certainly at the moment, literally in the last few days, we've got the Facebook pages up and we've started sharing and I'm, I'm trying to start time blocking and putting in you know, a couple of times a week just to do social media and get more content put on there to try and start growing that audience. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll it see. Might be a game plan. We have got yeah. a bit of a game plan and, and hopefully, you know, it will take off. And there are various aspects I have thought about of getting outside help in more professional. So, for example, for the editing of videos, to so someone actually record the, for the courses and for the editing, because I would have no clue as to what to do there. Yeah, I, I would recommend because I tried doing it myself internally and a 30 minute video, 20 minute video was taking me four or five hours because my computer would just slow down and it would freeze. And I would just get so frustrated and I, was yes. like, I can't keep doing this. Well, a professional editor will take an hour and a half maybe max to do a 20 minute edit um yeah. top and tailing and just making sure it all fits nicely um and and so i've got a couple of people that i employ now that do that for us internally but it, it just takes like you find where the gaps are and you get people to fill those gaps yeah and who, then it frees up your time yeah definitely definitely yeah i think that's where i'm at the stage where it's just getting everything organized and there's a it feels like there's a lot going on feels quite scary and exciting but that's good like there's a massive this is a massive opportunity so yeah it's good and i'm really looking forward to marrakesh even though it's a year away we need it this year right but i don't think we would have managed it this year with covid restrictions still in place so i think next year was a good um a good move um, and I'm looking forward to meeting people in face to face which is going to be exciting yes yeah absolutely I've been speaking to Charlotte who's coming not you know online 
obviously. Um, but yeah, that would be great, actually. Uh, what, what was it about the Marrakesh trip that kind of really excited you? I love traveling, right? That's a big, big passion of mine to go and it, I love traveling to Asia a lot. I've been to Asia a lot, Southeast Asia, been to Sri Lanka a few times, you know, very comfortable in those places. And I even go, I go on my own, doesn't bother me at all. I'll, you know, I don't know. I just feel very at home there. And um, I've never been to Morocco, heard lots of good things about Marrakesh. And so when this came up and there's one of the activities, you said it's a bit like The Apprentice. I love The Apprentice. <laughs> that sounds so much fun. So that's going to be really good. And um, just everything else about it and going into, the, oh, going into the mountains and teaching will be really interesting. And I think going forward, when I do free up more time, so I've got more time for doing that sort of thing, I would love to do that, go and uh, volunteer perhaps and visit different schools in different countries. And I don't want to go and do it as a job. Yeah, this is uh, my vision. I think we could probably do this together because this is my vision to have yeah. enough financial freedom to be able to volunteer my time and do what I do in the UK with the workshops, because I do a lot of hands-on workshops and to take my resources and just do it in other places where people don't have that kind of opportunity. No, no. They'll take so much away from it. Like I see how much British kids take away from the sessions that we do and how it inspires them and they talk about it for years later. And I'm like, if I, if I were to able to do that to a child that doesn't view education the way that we do in the UK, because UK, it's like, it, it, it's something that we all do. We go through the education system, we get our degrees and it's so common, it's so standard. They don't have the opportunity. They see it as a burden. And they don't see the possible uh, prospective results of it later because they don't have known very many people, especially in the Atlas Mountains, where people don't go on to university as much. Yes. And the organisation that we're working with, We Are All Humans, they're both from the villages themselves and they've gone and got university degrees. And then they use that story, the personal stories, to kind of um, influence other kids to follow that because it helps to break away from the poverty because it's very difficult to earn a living in the mountains. Yeah. But if you can then go and get a degree, get a decent job and then be able to um, financially support your family, that's a, it's a, it's a much more um, stable way of doing it. And then to be able to be part of that, it's just so exciting. It's so exciting to be able to inspire. I, I have a very similar vision and I think it'd be, and it's so nice that I'm finding more and more people like this and Charlotte's got a similar vision. It's really nice that we're all, we're all kind of coming on this trip together because yeah. it's, it's inspiring the people that align with what we're trying to do there. So it's nice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, people have said to me before, oh, why don't you go and get a job in wherever, you know, like an international school overseas? Okay. But, but then you're doing the same that you would be doing here. You're just doing it in a different location. Yeah. They're all private schools yeah. anyway, aren't they? You're helping the privileged few, right? Yeah. You're not helping local kids who need the help. You're also, you're all still stuck in that system. You're all under the same you know constraints and everything else and I think no that that's not what I wanted to do and then it becomes an echo chamber again because yeah. you're busy Monday to Friday then the weekends you're marking and then you don't actually get to experience the city and and the culture 
it's the same in the UK. Like, I'm so busy. I don't get to experience the places that people come and visit this country for. <laughs> because as a tourist, you get to do that. Yeah. And I think part of the beauty of being a tourist in a country is you get to see the beauty of it. Yes. And then while you're on that trip, why not give something back? I think that that in itself is um, something so exciting to me that I think I'd love to do that. Yeah, even if it doesn't have to be for very long, it can be while you're doing some kind of a tour. I remember years ago, I did this trek in China. It was it's quite rural China. It was for cancer research when, you know, we were walking alongside the Yangtze River, which I don't think that they've never had Westerners walk along this river before. Wow. Before. It was really very remote. We visited a couple of schools. And this was actually probably before I was a teacher. They'd never seen anyone from the West before. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And they, they were so used to, you know, the, the banks of the river is all quite mountainous. Mm. We've got, we all had on walking boots. We've got these massive jackets. We've got our walking poles. We had all the gear. It's, it's literally all the gear and no idea, you know. <laughs> They're along with flip-flops running up and down the mountains. We're struggling with all the gear. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's just such a difference. It's quite comical, really. Yeah, it's those kind of places, definitely. That that's what would attract me. The more remote places, yeah. Because where... it's different being a tourist and going to tourist places. Yeah. Um, yeah. and and being a tourist and actually going into and immersing yourself in the culture is very different. Yes. And this is why I, I we're going to be staying at a Riyadh rather than a yes. European style hotel because you can do that anyway. <laughs> Yes. There's a difference between traveling and a holiday. Yes. So I say I like to travel. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I went, I think a couple of years ago, I did, a, I did a few countries, but one of the places I went to was Bali. And when I, I did go with a friend then, and the, the friend said they wanted to go to Bali. And I said, I'll go to Bali, but I don't want to go to touristy Bali. I want to go to non-touristy Bali. And we did. We went right to the opposite side of the island. It was amazing. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. But nothing like you see in the brochures at yeah. all. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that is me. <laughs> I think it's going to be very exciting. Thank you so much, Julia, for being involved in this interview. And I'm really looking forward to meeting you and also hearing about your journey with your new venture that you're going to be doing. Um, yeah. So if people want to kind of, reach out to you and find out more about what you're doing what's the best way that they can contact you i think at the moment on facebook just my name julia brand but there's also maths by julia b on facebook as a page and there's the acorns to oaks which is um it says grow with positive learning that's our little phrase that is our new subscription box kind of page that's going to be going yeah oh i get it now it's like having an acorn seed and growing to an oak tree and then you see eventually we, we thought we'd start off with one box probably aimed at key stage one and then eventually key stage two box and branch out and alders because then we can have the acorn box oak box maybe a sapling box you know you can have all different oh, things that's really nice and you're branching out and you're branching out right and you're like ah, i like it branching. i know you missed it there and you're putting the foundations and the roots down and yeah <laughs> thank you so much julia it's been uh, lovely thank you for having me on Sid. i hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business 
Now, if you did, please remember to do me a favor and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. If you fancy becoming a member of the Champions Club or would like to attend a learning workshop or maybe even the business and cultural retreat in Marrakesh, then visit the website ukeducators.com where you'll find lots of information. You can also join our Facebook community at UK Educators. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release another episode.